Hi everybody and welcome to Joint Air Christian Lifestyle. I'm your host Shane Fritz and uh, super excited to be here with you today. We're doing episode 2 of 2024 and as we do episode 2 of 2024 we're going back to to touch on what was episode 2 of the podcast. Uh, we're going to be going back to John 9 and 10 and uh, I'm not trying to be redundant here as we go back to this. I'm going back to it because there's life on it that we need to release. And uh, something that, that I've been uh, reflecting on lately is a, a phenomenon called the Mandela Effect. I don't know if everybody's familiar with that or not. To give you a definition of it, a Mandela Effect is a popularized phenomenon in which a group of people collectively misremember facts, events, or other details in a consistent manner. Okay, so the most common and the reason why it's called the Mandela Effect has to do with Nelson Mandela, who, uh, if you're unfamiliar with Nelson Mandela, he was a, a huge apartheid activist in South Africa. He was the president of South Africa, I believe, and uh, there was a large understanding and a large belief that he died in the 1980s. Um, in fact, it was so commonly believed that it was surprising to people in 2008 when they kind of realized what was happening and that this kind of common misconception was going around. Nelson Mandela was still alive. In fact, he didn't pass away until the year 2013. And, uh, and so this got people studying this, and there's tons of these Mandela effects um, that we see throughout the world. And when you start thinking about these and when you start seeing them, as I'm, as I'm just going through a couple of them here, you're going to see like you really have to scratch uh, your head and think about these. Um, another person that a lot of people um, get death date wrong on is Billy Graham. That's one of them. Um, but we see this a lot. Um, with movie lines, uh, you know, if, if we go back to Star Wars, if you're a Star Wars fan, right? How many of us have heard the line, Luke, I am your father, right? And we all know that line. But that line actually never appears in that movie. We, we've all heard it used, we've all heard it said, yet it appears nowhere in the movie. Uh, another one, not, not quite as um, emphatic as the Darth Vader quote, uh, it's from Jaws. We need a bigger boat. That line does not appear in that movie. Um, we see this uh, with cartoon figures. How many of us, uh, when we think about uh, the little guy from Monopoly, do we think about him with that monocle, you know, that, that single-sided glass uh, over his eye? Well, the truth is he, he doesn't have that at all. Uh, Mr. Peanut does. He does not. Um, and so how we get that confused in our mind is somewhat of a phenomenon. Um, Mickey Mouse. Uh, a lot of people see Mickey Mouse. Uh, does he have suspenders or not? Does he have a tail or not? Curious George is another one. A lot of people vision him with a tail. Actually, he's not drawn with a tail. Uh, this happens with other stuff, the spelling of things. How about uh, cereals like uh, Fruit Loops? How do we spell Fruit Loops? Looney Tunes. How do you spell tunes? All of this stuff is kind of like confusing stuff and, and you know it's stuff that we maybe have taken for granted it doesn't affect our day-to-day -day life 
really it, it doesn't matter and that's why even though it's popularized and it's misremembered we're all kind of okay with it being misremembered another one uh, peanut butter is it Jif or Jiffy peanut butter there is actually a movie how many of you are gonna get are gonna get this um, how many of us remember a movie from the 90s called Shazam where an actor named Sinbad played a genie I'm not the only one who remembers this movie but can I tell you this that movie doesn't exist it was never made in fact there is a movie in which Shaquille O'Neal plays a genie but Sinbad no genie no Shazam why am I saying all this what in the world does this have to do with joint air Christians what does this have to do with the church what does this have to do with teaching let me ask you something does this happen in the church are there Mandela effects in the church are there Mandela effects in our teaching are there Mandela effects in scripture I posed this question on social media a little while back that's why I'm coming back to it right now that's why we're talking about it I put this out there are there Mandela effects in our teaching of the Bible in our reading of the Bible in our belief system within the church the answer is yes the answer is 100 percent yes and I'm going back to this section of scripture John 10 10 and you know if you talk to me I go back to John 9 and 10 a lot the reason is because the Lord stopped me in John 9 and 10 for over three months and had me meditating on this there's a reason he did that there's a reason I keep coming back to it it's because we're releasing life when we release a clear understanding of Christ so I'm gonna read John 1010 10 here for you out of the New King James Version the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly how many of us know this is Jesus speaking these are red letters how many of us have heard this scripture quoted as the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy you can search you will not find that scripture you will not find that passage anywhere in the scriptures that says the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy does not exist why do we preach it that way I'm not even going to get into that right now but using the word enemy in that quote has become and created a Mandela effect if you google the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy on Google thousands of pages from different ministries will pop up misquoting John 10 10 and giving you a teaching on the enemy that comes to steal kill and destroy and yet nowhere does John 10 mention an enemy he mentions a thief but he doesn't mention an enemy people quote this scripture wrong why because their memory has it as saying enemy because of a bad teaching that the church has permitted where this scripture applies to the devil I want to go back here for a minute Hosea 4 verse 6 
familiar scripture, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. How does misquoting John 10.10 10 destroy people? How are my people being destroyed for a lack of knowledge on John 10.10? 10? We do understand, right, that the word is life. We're talking about the word right here and we're misquoting it. We don't need to be too strong with the wording here, but can I just say, that's dangerous ground for anybody to be on. But the truth is that when you think about the thousands of years that have passed since Jesus' ministry, the few words of Christ that we do have, right? And you can say, well, we've got four books of the Bible. The few words of Christ that we do have printed are so valuable we cannot afford to misquote them. We cannot afford to miss what he's trying to say. The problem with misquoting John 10.10, 10, the reason why it destroys people, okay, check this out. It assigns power and authority to the devil that he doesn't have unless we give it to him. I'm going to say that again. It assigns power and authority to the devil that he doesn't have unless we give it to him. Number two, it keeps Christians focused on a satanic threat rather than our complete answer, Jesus Christ. It keeps Christians focused on a satanic threat rather than our complete answer, which is Jesus Christ. Number three, just as it falsely gives Satan power he doesn't possess, it doesn't deliver the judgment Jesus intends against works-based religion. There it is. Number four, it's difficult to understand certain facets of the life Christ gives without understanding who the thief is and what and how he steals, kills, and destroys. If you go back to episode two, you'd see there's quite a complete uh, thought there on how steal, kill, and destroy is actually the opposite of what's in John 10, verse 9, where he says that he will be saved, he will go in and out, and he will find pasture. Jesus lists three things immediately before listing the three things that the thief does. Christ comes to save you, to give you access to go in and out, and to find pasture. That's the answer to number four. That's, that's the life that Christ gives you empowers you to have all of those things. How does it assign power and authority to the devil that he doesn't have? John 10 verse 9, John 10 verse 28. I'm going to read them here. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Okay? He will be saved. He can't be destroyed if he's saved. John 10, 28, I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. You shall never perish. You won't die. How, how can you be killed if you won't die? Come on, guys. This, this is simple stuff. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of whose hand? Out of Jesus' hand. How can you be stolen if you're in his hand and no one can snatch you out of his hand? Come on, guys. This, we have got to lay hold of this as Christians. There's power in this word here that I'm releasing to you right now. We have got to grab hold of this. 
You know, how many times do we hear people talk about opening doors? Listen, when you entered the gate, when you go into Christ, right, you entered a door that Jesus opened. What he opens, no one closes. What he closes, no one opens. No one is coming in to snatch you out. They can't. They don't have the legal rights. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said it, John 10, 28. These two verses, John 10, verse 9 and John 10, verse 28, pretty much ruin the entire enemy theology that you see preached and that is very popularized. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the hand we are in. Jesus came to give you life abundantly, right? That you would be saved, you have rights to go in and out, and you can find pasture. Once you enter through Christ, you have eternity. And you are living from eternity. Guys, eternity is another thing we have to get a hold of. We have to really get a hold of this. We're not waiting to enter it. We're already living from it. That's, that's important. If you don't understand that you're already living eternally now, if you're in Christ, right? If you're in Christ, you've already received eternal life. You shall not perish. That's what the scripture said we just read. You shall not perish. You're already living an eternal existence now. Why does that matter? Because if we don't understand that we have an eternal existence already, then all of a sudden it seems relevant that the enemy could steal you, that he could kill you, that he could destroy you, right? But why are we even talking about an enemy here? We're talking about a thief. What's a thief? He's a con man. Thief's a con man. In the context of what we read here, right? Listen, we have John 9, right? Jesus is sharply addressing who? The Pharisees, right? If you thought you were blind, then you could see. Because you think you can see, you're blind, right? He's addressing a religious mindset right there. When John 10, 1 picks up, Right? We're coming right out of that exchange. Red letters are continuing. There's no break here. Jesus is still speaking. Right? How do we know? Because when we drop way down into John 10, still talking about the blind man that Jesus healed in John 9. Right? Okay, so John 10, 1 picks up. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the shepherd by the door, I'm sorry, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Jesus clearly identifies the thief. And it's not the devil. In fact, he says, all who came before me are thieves. You realize who that encompasses, right? Everybody. This is your kings, this is your priests, good and bad. This is your prophets, good and bad. Come on, let's start naming some names. This is Abraham, this is Moses... Why? Because they couldn't come in through Christ. Why? The, the door wasn't opened yet. But Jesus opened the door. Why? He is the door. Now you have the legal right to enter through the door. Once you enter through the door, 
It's a door he opened, no one can close. It's a door that he closes behind you as you come into him, right? He closes behind you. Now, no one can open to take you out. Sure, listen, we all come against things where people are trying to come in and, and they would love to mislead you. That's why it's so important that we know his voice. That's why it's so important that we know him. Let's go back to Hosea 4.6 here for a minute. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Listen, if we don't know, if we don't know that Jesus has all authority, that Satan has no authority, then we'll be okay with giving Satan power that's not his to have. We perish when we start giving away, and we're giving it away because we don't even realize My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Okay, who's he talking to here? Just just think about that. And then he goes, because you've forgotten the law of God, I also will forget your children. Okay, let's, let's break this down a little bit. Why are my people destroyed? They lack knowledge. Who rejected knowledge? The priests. Who are the priests? Who are the priests today? Listen, we we all have individual responsibilities. We're all different levels. I mean, as a husband, I'm the priest of the house, right? But as a as a pastor in the church, pastors over his congregation. As you go even further up, right, the spiritual coverings of each church, right. And as you look at that breakdown, everybody's answering to somebody. But if we're okay at certain levels with teaching wrong, who rejected knowledge? Come on, guys. We cannot afford, we cannot afford to be stupid Christians. And and I don't mean that in a mean way. But let's face it. Our people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Lives are on the line. That's what Hosea is saying right here. How did they reject it? They forgot the law. What do you mean? I've been in church every week. I heard what pastor said. Pastor said, and believe me, I'm, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody in particular. Listen, I'm just talking in a generalization here, right? Well, pastor taught me that. How is that an excuse? How is that an excuse for your family? Come on, guys. If you're a husband, if you're a father, if you're a mom, if you're a wife, listen, we are at levels where we are the priests of our home, where we are instructing who? The next generation. Who's affected here? What's it say here? Because you have forgotten the law of God, I also will forget your children. You understand that we are passing on a belief system. The only way that we can keep hold of the law, the only way that we can have knowledge is to embrace the law. I'm not talking about going back under Levitical law. you got to hear me right on this. That's not what I'm talking about here. But what I'm talking about is the Word of God. What you hear on Sunday morning, if you go for Bible study Wednesday night, you know, whatever you're doing extra, if you're listening to this podcast right now, this is not 
This is not hearing the word of God. How do you forget the law? Go to John 1, or I'm sorry, Joshua 1, verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. If you want to be prosperous, if you want to have good success, if you want to have life and life more abundant, what do you have to do? Not let the law depart from your mouth. How do you do that? By meditating on it day and night. This is 24-7 meditation. If you're only eating once a week, you're a starving person. Guys, we have to meditate on it, day and night, 24-7. And that word meditate there, what's it mean? To mutter it. We have to speak it. We have to read it. We have to speak it. Listen, if I'm just speaking what I heard pastors say Sunday, and hear me right on this, but if I'm just muttering what I heard pastors speak on Sunday, is that enough? The answer is no. We have got to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. You are the priest of the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the priest of the temple of the Holy Ghost. We need to be in constant communion with the Holy Spirit. You can't know what's written in the book of the law. You can't have a knowledge of the law. You can't have a knowledge of his word unless you read it and unless you speak it. If you do that, you make your way prosperous. Guys, we have got to lay hold of this thing. It's not about it's not about picking on a particular teaching. It's about understanding That we're letting some things slide by having a bad teaching. What do you mean? I'm going to be getting more into this in the upcoming episodes. But the truth is that the Lord has really put a draw on my heart to go after religious people, religious spirits. And if you know my background, and, and I, you know if you've heard my testimony, you know I've come out of of the religion of Jehovah's Witnesses, works-based religion. Okay, you listen, you cannot get much more in opposition to uh, grace and the new covenant than that. The truth is, is that when we're okay misquoting John 10.10 10, and we're calling uh, the thief, who is really anybody religious trying to get in by their works. Listen, they're trying to climb over the wall. If you're trying, you're striving, you're working from the curse to try to get into the sheepfold. It doesn't work. Jesus is the only way to get into the sheepfold. When we start saying that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right, and we're assigning that to the devil, first of all, we're giving Satan power that he doesn't have, but the other thing is that we're not putting the focus on what Jesus is aiming at here, which is like, look, 
you have got to stop trying to get in through your sacrifices. Your works do not affect what's about to happen. I am the gate. All you have to do is humble yourself and come in through me and surrender your life. And I'll give you life more abundant. Quit trying to get in the cheap way. The thing is, like, it's going to cost you your life either way. Do we all understand that? It costs you your life either way. Whether you're trying to get in your whole life and never get in, or whether you lay your life down and let your life come in to be one with his. It costs you your life either way. How much better is it to just have the right to go in through the gate to be saved, to have the right to go in and out, and to have pasture? If you haven't heard episode two, go back and hear episode two, because this is a really freeing revelation on this whole thing. But listen, if we don't understand that that doing away with that old belief and coming into understanding that he's going after a religious mindset here, he's coming against those religious leaders and he's saying, look, you have got to do it this way, then we'll never come to a place as the body of Christ where we start doing what he intended. Look, when you read in, in, in all through the gospel, you go into Acts, where did Jesus and the apostles go to preach? They went to the synagogue. Come on, guys. Roman 1.16, right? The gospel goes forth first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. It was always meant to go forth to the religious first and then to the lost. I mean, personally, I'm feeling real conviction right now about the fact that I haven't been into a synagogue lately. You understand what I'm saying? Like, hear my heart when I say this. I haven't been into a synagogue lately. You understand this wasn't a place you got a warm reception. This was a place they were probably going to kick you out of. But if we don't start going after religious people, listen. These are the people we need. They already believe in a creator. They already have a knowledge, head knowledge of the scriptures. It's already there. All they need to have done is for somebody to come in and give them a revelation that allows them to move 18 inches from their head to their heart. When we start getting that happening, when we start going out and reaching those people, now we become an army that is going to release heaven onto this earth. We become kingdom officiants where we can start occupying this territory Listen, the word that I heard for 2024 was establishment. The other thing that I heard for 2024 was tear down the high places. Listen, we need to tear down the high places. We've allowed things to coexist with us. And we look across, we look across, um, you know, I'll say it this way, party lines. But, but listen, it's denominations, it's, it's, it's whatever. And we're looking across at people and they're going to to this church and they're proud of their religion and we're saying well it's okay they'll have you know when we get to heaven we'll all be surprised yeah you're right when we get to heaven i'm sure they'll all be there and i'm totally okay with that fact that they will be in heaven also what i'm not okay with is the fact that we're letting generation after generation after generation go by okay and i'm just being real here we're letting generations go by without stepping into the fullness that is being the kingdom. We can't occupy the earth 
if we're not mobilizing people and you can't mobilize people who are focused on just getting themselves over the wall into the sheepfold instead of going out and taking pasture. All right. We're going to have to get into more of this coming up. Okay. But listen, for today, just hear me right. I'm not trying to come down on critic, uh, critically on anybody. But what I'm telling you is we do have to get a good revelation on John 10.10. Because the truth is that we're giving the enemy legal rights that he doesn't have. And we're missing some things that are going to free people to really step into being the hands and feet of Jesus. Anyways, love you guys. Until we talk again, be blessed.